Since this is the third podcast in our series on independent sales teams inside of the life insurance and wealth management industries, this quote from Zig Ziglar seemed apropos. When obstacles arise, you change your direction to reach your goal. You do not change your decision to get there. Today, we are featuring Scott Trammell, Executive Vice President and Financial Advisor at Strategic Financial Partners. During the past 16 years, Scott has been a key member of the agency leadership team working to achieve their mission of helping individuals, families, business owners, and professionals establish plus execute on expertly tailored financial strategies. Thank you for joining us today, Scott. Thanks, Kelly. It's awesome to be here. Welcome to the Leadership Journey Podcast. I'm Kelly McCauley, president of McCauley & Company, where we help good leaders become great through high-impact leadership and team coaching that delivers measurable results. So, Scott, I asked you to participate in a series on independent sales teams because you have great experiences and impact working with them at your firm, and the teams keep inviting you back in, so that says something. Yes. Yes, true. (laughs) For people who aren't familiar with the idea of independent sales teams within the life insurance and wealth management industry, can you briefly describe what it is and how it's different from traditional sales teams? Absolutely, yes. So I'd say the best definition is two or more advisors with their staff working together to build a practice that's more successful than what each advisor could do on his or her own. Um, One of those, the whole should be greater than the sum of the parts. Thing. Yes, yes. Um, and it is definitely different, um, to your point, from traditional teams. On that part, first, let me say that the idea of advisor teams really runs counter to the way our industry has operated for decades. Um, so many successful agents or advisors ran their businesses solo. Um, joint work was, was not the norm. And that makes sense when you think about the opportunity that's presented to a new advisor. If you can successfully acquire clients, you'll make it and you'll own the relationships that you build, cultivate the relationships, guard them with your life. Um, the bigger you build it, the more impact you'll have and the more money you'll make. Um, I, I once heard someone describe a, a, a certain business philosophy as, and, and, and this was not necessarily a positive description, but it was get all you can, can all you get, and sit on the can, wow. right? And I think that's really been the way our industry has been. And with that being said, I'll, let me come back to your actual question. On a traditional team, viewers will have to forgive me for this. I end up a lot of times with a sports metaphor, right? So it That's always fine. just helps me process. <laughs> but a traditional team, and I used football as an example. So the top guy, the best athlete, the leader, let's say that's the quarterback. He directs the other players in their specific roles, and that's a big part of, of what he does for the team. On a high-performing advisor team, you might have two or three, or four quarterbacks, mm. okay? So, you know, it, it, it's the, the difference would be then that a successful advisor team may have, or at least appear to have, when you first start working with them, top talent who are all vying for the same position. Mm. And that, to me, is where it starts to really show the differences between, between how, like, a traditional sports team would operate versus 
an advisor team. And they have to share the money. Yes. So they give up something to gain more. You said yes. it earlier, the sum of the parts is greater than the whole. Is that how you say it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Very good. Yeah. So, yeah. so knowing that, you know, not all of these independent sales teams welcome help from agencies' leadership. What have you and SFP done to earn the team's trust and confidence to the point where they invite you into their team? To me, it starts with the right approach. And it's as simple as it gets. Firm leadership works for the advisors, not vice versa. Um, servant leadership, of course, is a, is a well-intentioned term, but I think it's redundant. Leading without serving isn't leading, it's managing, right? Nice. And successful advisors don't need and don't want to be managed. Um, so we truly go to work for the teams, and I, and I think they genuinely find that valuable when we're, when we're taking that approach as, you know, look, we are here, the, the firm is here to support you. That is the reason the firm exists. It always has to start there. What are they looking to gain from your involvement? I mean, obviously, you've got a team of two versus a team maybe of 10. What are the different ways that they're saying, yeah, come in and here's what we need help on? I think that they view us, any of us on the leadership team that are working with the teams, they view us as a consultant or, or as a partner, right? So I, so I think about what you do. For us, for our firm, you've been working with us for a long, long time now. Um, I feel like the teams view the, the, the help of our leadership team similarly um, because they, we're not on the team. So, so we, we don't have a, um, a bias, right, in terms of a lot of things that the teams might be dealing with. So we can truly come in and help them from a consultant or a partner standpoint, and it's not just growth when, we're, when, we're, when we say we're helping them with their growth. Obviously, everyone wants to grow. Nobody wakes up in the morning and says, I want to stay the same or go backwards. <laughs> so everybody wants to grow, but it's not just growth for growth's sake, um, but healthy growth that for these teams is outwardly focused on the clients first then what's best for the team and its individual members, right? So any good team realizes that if part of the result of the team is that clients are better taken care of, then that's going to trickle down to everything they're doing. I always get so inspired when you're talking about what you do and what SFP does for the client and also for the individuals that work within your organization. It's, it's very inspiring. So when you think about teams and your work with them versus working with independent sales teams in your organization, do they need different things or do you do things differently with them? How does that work? Yes, it is absolutely diff a different approach with the teams than if I were working, I do some of this as well, if I'm working with an individual advisor that, that is not in a partnership or on a team, but an individual advisor, that work is completely different than the work that, that, that we do with teams. And, and this is not an exhaustive list by any stretch of the imagination. Of <laughs> Three elements come to mind when you, when, you think, when you ask me that question about 
you know, the approach, three things come to mind quickly. And, and really, they're in this order. Chemistry, mm. communication, and roles. All right, so those are the three things that, that come to mind, and I'll, and I'll go into each one of them briefly so that you understand what I'm talking about. On the chemistry piece, just like any other relationships that we have in life, advisor teams only work when the chemistry of the members works. It can't be forced. Um, so firm leadership should never feel like they're burdened with some sort of responsibility there. The leaders should should observe, they should they should coach, they should advise. And sometimes the the most effective role of a firm leader might be to help the team fail quickly. Mm-hmm. Right? And so that's the chemistry piece. Second is the communication. Advisors, and you know this, Kelly, because you're working with advisors all the time. Advisors, particularly men, all right, are generally not good at communication. Okay? But, so but, leaders... But the irony is they're so good at communicating with their clients. And then they yeah. bring it back and forget about all those wonderful yeah. ways that they are expressing themselves and influencing and encouraging and helping. So back to you. That is a great point. No, that is a great point. And you're right. The leaders in the firm, in my opinion, should encourage and sometimes force. Again, we're not going to force chemistry. No. But sometimes we do force communication, yeah. right? And it's so important for us to not triangulate conversations. <laughs> One team member comes and talks to me, and then another one comes and talks to me, and they're talking to me instead of talking to each other, right? And the other thing is not to play favorites when you're dealing with teams, because that's really easy to do, feel like, and just difficult to execute, you know, sometimes. But those two things I think are super important to not triangulate, not to play favorites. And then the last piece is the roles piece. Um, Sometimes it's obvious, Kelly, right? So you've got Let's say you got a highly successful advisor, and the, he, he's the team founder. He outperforms the other advisors every year, and his role is to make it rain, right? That's, yeah. that's what he's – and it's really obvious. The other advisor or advisors and the requisite staff members make sure promises that he's making to clients kept. So that's a pretty easy one. But a lot of times it's not that easy, right? Mm-hmm. So – with today's teams, if you want that true multiplier effect, we talked, we touched on this earlier, the whole two plus two equals five or eight or ten. Yeah. It often happens when you have more than one rainmaker. I, I touched on this earlier with the football example. How do you get a group of people that are all in, say, the top 20% of advisors or better to work together when they've all been and would continue to be successful on their own, right? So that's the roles piece. You've got to be able to look for when you've got the, Russ, who is the president of our firm, likes to say, you know, it's like having thoroughbred horses that are, that are racing each other, right? You know, they, they sometimes will tend to nip at each other a bit, right? <laughs> and, um, and, and so you really got to, from a role standpoint, look for opportunities for, these, these high performers to have some different roles because with a, with a brand new advisor that's not on a team, the toughest part of what we do, I don't think anybody would disagree with this, is client acquisition. Yes. It's the toughest part for an advisor, a new advisor to do. With a high-performing team, though, Kelly, 
I've seen it several times. That's the least of their worries. But bringing in business, they've got more business in some cases than, they've, than they can handle. In certain cases, we're helping them think through, do you need to add more staff? What, what do you need to do? Because the amount of business, the volume of business, uh, that's not their issue. And, and some of them, they, they, they couldn't turn the spigot off if they wanted to. <laughs> right? So I think for firm leadership, for them to think a, a little bit differently, or in some cases a lot differently, that, hey, they don't need help getting clients. So, you, you know, you could put that aside. What other roles might need to be done on the team that aren't as obvious? So those are the three things that that um, that come to come to mind first when you ask me that question, but it is definitely a little trickier. Right. And that's a great distinction of what a new advisor is working with as a solo advisor versus what these very accomplished, high producing already helping lots of people, what they're focused on with regard to getting help from you all and versus relying on your team of the agency to accomplish those, or I guess I would say, um, cross those bridges for them. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I would say, you know, Basically, they've given up, these superstar producers, they've given up part of their income because they can do more and have more support so they can spend time specifically in the area that they're the best at. And playing in the space that their skills, experience, and expertise will make the most impact on. Yep, you nailed it. And not everybody should be on a team. Can you talk a little bit about that? You know, some people, I, I want to be a rugged individualist. I don't want to play with the sandbox with these other people. I just want to do my own thing. It, do you do anything with regard to uh, vetting that out before you bring people or invite them to pr- consider being put on one of the high-performing teams you all have? Yeah, you, you read my mind on that. A, a couple of things come to mind. For, for firm leaders, one of the things... And, and maybe for some of us, it's letting yourself off the hook. <laughs> not, it's okay that not everybody is going to be on a team. Um, it, it's okay that someone, you know, may just want to do some good old-fashioned joint work versus be on a true team or even in a true partnership or whatever the case may be. It is, it is okay, especially in a firm like ours, where the firm has been built to give advisors the resources that they need to run their businesses, whether they're on teams or not. So if there's an individual advisor that's doing a great job and maybe he or she has an assistant and maybe that's it, right? It's them, their assistant, they run their business and the advisor's using the different firm resources that are available to everybody that's there and they're successful in running a great business. Awesome. That there, there's always going to be that. There's people, not everyone's going to be on a team. So I think that's the first thing is like just we never need to feel like from a leadership standpoint that the goal, the end goal is for every advisor in the firm to be on a team because it's not realistic, nor is it, I would say, even ideal, right? It, it, you're always going to have some folks that it doesn't make sense for, and that's totally okay because the firm can still support them and help them in other ways. And so I think getting back to your question and getting back to what we discussed a minute ago with roles, let's say that someone that we're going to grow a, an existing team, it doesn't just need to, to, 
to be growth because, hey, that team hadn't added anybody in a while, right? It needs to be specific. There needs yeah. to be a role that is filled for that team, and it needs to be a very symbiotic choice. So in other words, it needs to be good for the team, and it needs to be good for the incoming new member of the team, and right? So there needs to the be role, right? The fit for yes. the role has to be right. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. And you know, it's one one scenario comes to mind very quickly when we're talking about this. You may have you, the firm, may have an advisor that has all the the tools that he needs or that she needs to be successful. But that big thing that we discussed a minute ago, that whole prospecting thing, mm-hmm. maybe maybe it's not their strongest suit. Maybe they're really struggling with that. I think if you go back even to when I came into the industry almost 22 years ago, it was someone can't prospect, they're out. Mm-hmm. And I think today it's a little different. I think if someone has all of the other skills and the intangibles, and we've had some folks like this, that if there's a role that a team needs, the, the, the effect for both sides, the team and the advisor, maybe that was struggling with the prospecting, it can be just incredible, right? Because what it does is it takes some pressure off of the new team member. But then for the successful team that already exists or if someone's wanting to start a team, they have stress that's taken off of them. Their stress, again, is not business acquisition. Right. But they have other stress that gets taken off of them. And what happens then, of course, is that advisor, the we'll call it the more experienced advisor, becomes much more efficient, which means they become much more profitable. And even when you look at a split of revenue, that that then is happening because now there's been someone brought on the team or an additional person brought on the team, the overall top-line revenue of the practice goes up. Mm -hmm. So it's really interesting when you can talk to that, say, experienced advisor, lead advisor, after a year or a couple of years of doing this, and they go, I'm doing, I'm making more money than what I was making before I was given 50%, 40%, 25% to this person that we brought onto the team. And it's like this light bulb goes <laughs> off. But what you've done is you've taken stressors off of both sides. What's so impressive to me is that in our industry, we have thrown away people that had lots of talent, but they were missing a certain piece. And you all have solved that dilemma based on continuing to commit and rebuild and dedicate yourselves to the teams, but also to the individuals who are producing on their own. Yeah, Yeah. that's really, I love to hear that. So knowing that sales teams can outperform individuals by 30 to 40%, what advice do you have for sales managers seeking to get better at supporting these independent sales teams that are already in their organization or those wanting to help form their first agency sales team? One is, the first one is, this is the reason why I said you read my mind, is (laughs) what we just said. Not everybody's going to be a part of a team. So I think that's the best place for firm leadership to start if they're, you know, really just now creating or trying to create some teams or if they've got some that are working, they're trying to take it to the next level. 
it's okay, right? Just it's, it's, it can't be forced, right? Mm-hmm. It's, not, it's not even don't force it. It can't be forced, right? right? Um, <laughs> Go and ahead so and try, always, but... <laughs> right, right. But I can, I can tell you, 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 it will not be good for your future teaming efforts if you try to take <laughs> that route, right? Um, so that's the that's, that's first thing that comes to mind. Um, second thing is to be flexible, to be nimble, and to be committed. Um, on all three of those words, it, what comes to my mind is it often takes a few tries to make this work. And it could be that you have one successful advisor that you're just trying to add one more to, mm-hmm. right? So it could be that true brand new team, or it could be an established team that you've got that role that you're looking for. Just don't get discouraged because and I'd have to really sit down and think more through it, but it might be that it doesn't work the first time more than it does work the first time. Right. So flexible, nimble, committed yeah. um, comes to mind there. And, and just, you know, just good old fashioned patience. Um, I feel like you're, what you're talking about is that in the doing of these teams, you learn so much. And so the first one might not work, but you've learned so much. Okay, here's what we'll do differently this next go around. And each iteration, uh, you continue to get better and better. And Scott, I think that's what's happened at SFP because they were one of the first to embrace teams along with you know several others, but the majority didn't, they thought, well, they, they raised their hand to embrace it, but then they abandoned it because it is tricky and it can get messy and there's, you know, uh, mistakes and personalities that that need to be dealt with. But in the end, you all have proven that it's really works for some people and it's good for clients as well as having individuals being served within your organization. And that works for your clients as well. Absolutely. No, I, I, I couldn't, I couldn't um, agree with that more. And we, we have learned a lot and, and we tell a new team or a team that's looking to expand and grow. We tell them on the front end, like, Hey, this may not work the first time. <laughs> like we, you know, be open to that. This may not work the first time. Right. So we try to communicate that too. And this, this goes back to where we started, which is for firm leadership to remember to, to, to really be selfless with the whole process, to, to truly work for the team and know that your, your personal reward as a, as a leader in the firm, which pretty sure it's going to be the same for all of us, which is sustainable and profitable long-term growth of the firm. It will happen in the long run when you have successful teams. There's, there's, there's no question. And this is also this, the, the, the idea of teaming is the future of our industry. I, I have no doubt about that. So that, that would be the, the other thing that I would say on, on this particular question is just, just be selfless and just mm-hmm. go in with that mentality of – and. Sometimes you got to knock some off the ego to do it, but like that, that mentality of I work for the teams. This is what I do. This is why the firm exists, knowing that it's a lot of times not an immediate, you know, reward, but I can 
sit here and tell you from doing this for a lot of years, the, the long-term reward is certainly there for the firm. Wow. I so appreciate what you've shared, Scott, your experiences about successfully working with independent sales teams, also your growing strategic financial partners, core business, and recruiting and doing all the things that will keep SFP moving forward into the future. But I especially really appreciate your encouragement about don't be discouraged, be prepared. It's not going to turn out perfectly every time. And maybe the first time it won't work at all, but don't give up. So thank you so much for that. You are welcome. Uh, let me say thank you for all the work that you've done uh, for us and with us over the years. There are things that have happened with our teams that have come from advice that you have given us. So you have been a consultant to the consultants um, <laughs> in terms of a lot of things that we've done, but really on the team's side as well. So thank you for all these years of, of your support and guidance, and um, and I'll give you a commercial any day of the week. <laughs> uh, you know how much I love your firm and all of you on the team, especially you. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. <laughs> oh, it was a pleasure. So for leaders watching this, here's the burning question. What would it mean if you could build high-performing sales teams within your firm like Scott and the leadership team are doing at Strategic Financial Partners? You can start by identifying your ideal vision for your teams and assess what's stopping your ideal from happening now. If you're serious, take our top team mistakes to avoid assessment, and I'll personally review your results and give you actionable steps you can put into place immediately. There's no charge for you, only the upside of moving your teams to your ideal. I've worked with Scott Trammell, as he said, for probably 18 years now, plus Strategic Financial Partners President Russ Vandersteeg and more than 500 top industry leaders to increase performance, results, and profits during the past 20 plus years. To say it's my passion is an understatement. Click the button below this video to take the assessment. Whether you want feedback from me or not, you'll gain specific intelligence on exactly where to focus your efforts right now to improve the performance within all of your teams. If you want to learn more about Strategic Financial Partners and Scott Trammell, go to strategicfinancialpartners.com. To subscribe to more podcasts like this, visit macaulayandco.com forward slash podcast and sign up. Until next time, keep leading yourself and your teams to higher levels of success in all areas of your lives. Thank you so much, Scott. Thank you, Kelly.